0: Take your Bible, if you would, and turn to Ephesians chapter 3, two verses, verses 20 and 21 in Ephesians chapter 3. I'm reading from the New International Version. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus, throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Maybe you've heard the story of a 60-year-old couple, both 60 years. They've been married for 40 years. And they're having their their, uh, wedding, uh, they're having their anniversary celebration, and in the middle of it, a genie appears. Poof! And the genie says, because you've been so loving... For those 40 years, I'm going to give both of you one wish." And the woman pipes up, and she said, "'Oh, I would love to travel the world.'" And he waves his arms, and poof, she has the tickets in her hand. The husband gets sort of shy, and he says, "'Well, I'd like to have a wife 30 years younger than me.'" And the genie waves his arms, and poof, he's 90 years old. (laughs) and serves him right, doesn't it? Some of you are saying. We are fascinated by stories of magic genies who offer three wishes. I don't know why it's three, but he offers wishes, and people wonder to themselves, what would I ask for if I had three wishes? But the Bible teaches us that God is not a genie. You don't just tell him your lusts and he gives them to you. James 4, you know that verse in James 4, uh, verse 3, where he says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong wrong motives. And so often, if you're like me, the impulses of my heart are deceitful and even sinful, and so God knows better than to just send me a genie who would give me whatever I want. But our verse today... It was an amazing passage. Roz, if you'd bring that up. Our verse today says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. We are told something better than any genie could ever offer us. We are told that the all-powerful God, to whom we address in prayer, is able, is able to do more than we ask or imagine. And when things in my life are out of control, I am glad to know this verse, that God is able to do more. You know, sometimes we say to people, well, I'll pray for you. It's the least I can do. What's wrong with that sentence? It's not the least you can do. It's really the most you can do for someone else is to pray for them because our God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. And when we speak to Almighty God, we are speaking to a loving Heavenly Father who knows the future and who knows what is wise and good. You know, uh, when you get to a passage like this, It reminds you and it reminds me that really you you come to a fork in the road every day and you can decide if you're going to live by fear or by faith. Live by fear or by faith. Are you going to be a pessimist like Eeyore the donkey? Anybody know Eeyore the donkey? or are you going to be an optimist, and are you going to believe that God knows what He's doing, even as He sovereignly superintends this world and superintends your life? Job Job was a righteous man, but Job was a pessimist, and he, 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 he said, I live uh, everything I fear, and I dread happens to me, and that's sort of Job's he has that sense because the world is fallen and broken around him. But the Apostle Paul, who's in chains, says, I live in eager expectation. And here he is next to a, a stinking Roman guard chained to him, writing a letter to a weak church, and he says, I live in eager expectation for what God is going to do. Do you see, we, we come to that place, the fork in the road, every day. Am I talking about positive thinking, the power of positive thinking? You know, the Protestant church for over a hundred years has always had a very prominent, well, not just the Protestant church, the Christian church widely, has always had very prominent sort of society-dominating power of positive thinking preachers. Harry Emerson Fosdick uh, was that way. Just think positive. Uh, Norman Vincent Peale, just think positive. Uh, have, have good thoughts so that good things will happen. The power of positive thinking. Robert Schuller, the power of possibility thinking. And today, um, Joel Osteen is the great uh, evangelist of positive thinking. Now, now look, and, and even when Osteen was interviewed on 60 Minutes, even the interviewer said to him, don't you ever talk about sin? Don't you believe in judgment? Don't you believe in the fall and all of that? And uh, Osteen says, I'm really not interested in talking about those things. Neither was Henry Emerson Fosdick or Norman Vincent Peale. But today, I have to say that all four of those guys at least understood one thing. They did understand. That the Christian can have a holy optimism in the morning when he puts his feet on the ground, when she goes out the door in that day, that you can believe God exists and He is good and He is able to do immeasurably more than all you ask or imagine. And you can live a life of confident faith, and you don't have to be like Eeyore. And today I give those four guys credit because they at least have one strand of the Bible, one strand of the Bible. The problem is they don't appreciate the glories of the gospel because they don't want to face the bad news side of the message. But our God, He gives us the whole counsel of God, and so the good news is extra good for us. What do you need to remember? Let's take this verse apart. It says, He is able. He is able. I love this. These two verses are not about you. These two verses are about God. And what we learn about God is that He is able. He is not weak. He's not up, up there wringing His hands, saying, I wonder what the governments of the world are going to do. I wonder what's going to happen to the stock market. I, I, God is not up there saying, I wonder if Long Island is going to get hit by the snowstorm or not. he is able and so we come by fit. we come in a place of faith do you know this about god he is not bound he is no one's prisoner he is able and so the apostle breaks into a song some old old theologians they call this a doxology i like that word it's a good word he breaks into a doxology at the end of this prayer that we looked at last week and he answers the question, how much can God do? And the answer is more. God is able to do more than we ask or imagine. More. You know, children of all ages ask for things. I want a turbo, dino, robo-blaster toy, right? And, um, but adults, we ask for things too. We ask for a secure job. We ask for a loving family. We ask for peace in the world. We ask, we want these things. It is not wrong to ask God for the desires of your heart. Um, And we come to Him. And so we tell Him what we want, knowing that we do not boss God around. Again, I, I, I think this verse has been abused to somehow... Tell, tell God to be our butler and I'm, I'm not saying that you go there uh, you know it's this is not a verse about money God may make some of you rich and uh, I'll be happy for if he, you I'll be happy for you if he makes you rich and he might you might not get rich you might uh, be poor and uh, uh, and we will help you if you're poor uh, it's not a sin to be poor it's not a sin to be rich this verse is not about that it's not it's not about uh, God doing more to to make you rich or to get you the nicest house. Sometimes God gives you a nice house and He does it in in, in amazing ways or a wonderful apartment. I remember when we moved here seven years ago, and we were looking for houses, and we um, we told the real estate agent what we wanted, and in one day she showed us eleven houses, and they were none of them were what we wanted, and they weren't where we wanted way out in Huntington, in Huntington Station. And I said, look, we want to be at the intersection of 25A and 106 because we have people in this church who come from Queens and we have people who come from Smithtown, and I want them to come into my home and be able to come to our home. So finally she said, okay, I'll show you the house you want, but you can't have it. (laughs) Okay, so why not? Well, there's already a signed... The papers are already signed. It's in process of being sold. But you, you said you wanted a low maintenance house, because you're not very good at fixing houses. That's right. She said you want a, a garage. That's right. You want a fenced-in backyard. That's right. You want a finished basement, so you can have several meetings going on in your house at the same time. I said, that's right. Uh, you want it right near the intersection of 106 and 25A. I said, that's right. She took us to this house in East Norwich. We looked at it. Actually, the owner of the house came in while we were there, and and um nina she met nina and she said why are you moving because my husband wants to move and she says to nina why are you moving because my husband has to move and you know and and we saw the house and then we drove back to philadelphia the house we couldn't have we get home that night the phone rings it's the real estate agent real estate agent says you're never going to believe this but that lady just told her husband that she believes she's supposed to sell that house to you. And her husband said, are you out of your mind? And he called the lawyer, and the lawyer said, are you out of your mind? And she said, I think we're supposed to sell that house to those people from Pennsylvania. And I said, well, here's the only settlement date that will work for us. And she said, fine. That's the house we bought. Now, that is in God's providence. That in God's, God's providence is a wonderful gift to us. I actually don't think that this verse is about that. God does bless people. He does wonderful things for people. But we saw last week and that what he's after here is your soul. And he is talking about knowing the love of Christ that, that is higher and longer and wider and deeper than any love. And he's talking about capturing your heart so that you will know that love that surpasses knowledge, so that you will be filled to the fullness of all the fullness of God, and suddenly the house you live in doesn't matter, and the car you drive doesn't matter, and the grade you get on your science test doesn't matter, and the score of the football game doesn't matter, because you are filled to the fullness of all the fullness of God. That's what matters. And then he says, now to him who is able to do more than you ask or imagine. That's what he's talking about. It is a spiritual more that he does. And then he uses people in powerful ways. More than we can ask. Now, what is an example of this that I think the text is pointing to? I read this week about... A woman named Mary Nelson. Mary Nelson lived in, lives, lives, I believe she's still alive, in St. Louis. And in 1983, Mary Nelson was a single woman who had no children, and she was heartbroken by that. And she said, I found myself working in my garden, and the tears were flowing down my cheeks. And there was a sorrow and a longing for a child in my life to bless. And I was bitter. She said, I was bitter that over a million abortions happened in our nation that year. And she said, and I said, Lord, here I am in the dirt. You see that I'm crying, and I just want to be used to be a blessing to a child. And nine months later, Mary Nelson gave birth to the first crisis pregnancy center in St. Louis, Missouri. And since that time, The woman who asked that she might give life to a child has become a saving agent, has been used not to give life, but to save life for thousands and thousands of children. All she did for the honor of Christ. Now, you see, God did more than she could ask there, and more than she could imagine. Mike and Suzanne Rant, if you would come up here for just a moment, in the middle of my sermon, I... uh, I wanted them to just take a moment and talk about how, recently, God has done more than they could ask or imagine, and uh, we'll use the yellow microphone, Bernie, and, um, you know, you heard Mike and Suzanne a few years ago talk about how the Lord came into their lives and really energized them with new life, but now he's done something else, so go ahead and tell them.
1: I can't believe he's doing this in the middle of the sermon. (laughs) (laughs) They're hard to follow. Wow. Wow. That in itself is a lot to me. But um, about five years ago, Mike and I uh, joined this church, and I don't know that it was really a conscious decision, but we sort of felt like we could the best we could do would be to come to church, maybe usher and greet, collect offering, and um, really never do a whole lot more in the leadership role than that. And about six months ago, our small group leader had to step down, and this little um, voice... Kept coming in our ear and kind of tugging at our heart, um, leading us to, to lead the small group or suggesting we lead the small group, and um, we both felt completely inadequate to do that. You know, we had never uh, studied the Bible. We knew you know scripture a little bit, but we just felt really completely, um, you know, unworthy and I mean, inadequate to to lead this uh, small group. Um, but I have to say that. We prayed about it, and it was absolutely the Holy Spirit that led us to make the decision to lead the small group. And um, each week that we meet, we pray, and we still feel um, like we're not really totally um, able to do this. And yet we come together with our group, which is made up of people, some people who have been studying the Bible for many years and have been in this church for many years, some of them are new to the church and, um, and new believers, and, and, and some of them are like us, are, are still walking in, in the early part of really studying God's word and learning what it means to us, but somehow that Holy Spirit just leads us every other Tuesday night to have this beautiful fellowship where we are growing in faith and um, growing in friendship, and uh, we are being blessed by the people that come into our home, and we hopefully are blessing them. and. And the Holy Spirit is just absolutely running, running it for us. So we just wanted to share that experience because for us, it really um, made us realize that it's not what we think we can do. It's really what God can do through us. And uh, we're just so grateful to see that uh, and be living that experience with, the, with this church and with our, our fellowship group. It's, it's really great. Thanks. Fantastic. Thank you.
0: More than they could have imagined four years ago, And God has done a a marvelous thing. And uh, if you need a place every other Tuesday night to come and get some encouragement, they have some extra open chairs in their group. All our small groups are supposed to have two open chairs every week so that we can keep inviting more people in. Uh, Karen Connolly spoke to me this week. I'm not asking her to come up right now. But five years ago, she could not have imagined managing a church thrift store that would be giving away thousands of dollars to our benevolent fund and 6 years ago when we bought that house in East Norwich the membership of this church was 59 people and a couple of children, and Jim Westbrook just did the uh, 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 the statistical report to send to the denomination and and he says we have two hundred and fourteen communicant members and one hundred and nine non communicant members that 's three hundred and twenty three people now, yes, some of them have moved away, and we need to clean it up a little bit, but that 's over three hundred people that are a part of our family that God has nurtured and and drawn many young and be, just beginning in their journey of faith but They're a part of us, and we are so delighted. He does more than we can ask or imagine. And you know what that does for you and for me? It should give us confidence. Not in ourselves. Did Suzanne give you the impression she was confident in herself? No. If you know Karen, she's not giving the impression she's confident in herself. And I stand before you, and I have no confidence. I'm not going to Hollywood, according to Simon Cowell, you know. (laughs) I have no confidence in myself. But I have great confidence in Jesus Christ, to whom belongs glory throughout all generations, forever and ever. We sang that closing song last week. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has ever conceived the glorious things that God has prepared for everyone who has believed so we are confident now confident now how will god do more he says in the text the text it is according to his power and so it is sovereignly and ultimately god does not decide what to do because you nagged him enough oh yes you prayed oh yes we are given to prayer to earnest prayer but it is according to his power his power That's so important for me, for a guy like me, because to my shame, I have to confess to you, I'm a fix-it kind of guy. And I bet we have some other fix-it kind of people in this church. You know what I'm talking about. You see a problem, and what do you do? You fix it. And And Abraham tried to do that. And remember, what did he get? He got Ishmael instead of the child of the promise. And, and I, I'll, you know, I'll plan and I'll scheme and I'll try and force, force things to happen. Oh, yeah, eventually I'll pray about it. I'll seek the Lord about it. But no, it is, it, this will happen. It will happen according to His power. The thrift store, one more time. I've wanted to start a thrift store. It's been six and a half years we've been here and I had all kinds of ideas and schemes and all of this, and then suddenly someone calls me up and says, I know the lawyer who manages all of these properties at such and such a realty, and I think you should talk to him. I call him up, I tell him of our vision. It turns out he's a godly evangelical Christian out at Three Village Church in Setauket, and he says, I'll do anything I can to help you. And he's the one who came up with the plan that we would not pay rent, but only a percentage of what we earned to the Buckingham store where we have the thrift store. We make money, they get money. We don't make any money. We don't have to pay rent. More than I could ask, and I don't have the brains even to imagine this. But God, according to His power, worked it out for us. Amazing. For, the, for His glory. So it is sovereign and it is at work within us and so it's personal and this is an extraordinary phrase because what he is about uh, what he is revealing here is that the power will be expressed through us and that means you and you and you and I are the instruments he will use to accomplish this purpose according to his power that is at work in us it's personal I like this. I like this a lot. We, we use the phrase in this church, every member ministry, right? I am not the minister. You are the ministers. Ephesians 4, the elders equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And we say, each one, reach one. Don't expect me to win all the souls for Christ. Each one of you must declare his praises and be the witness for Jesus Christ. And according to His power that is at work within us, He's going to use you to reach people. Not because we care about numbers. If I gave you the impression it's all about numbers, that's a, that would be an insult to God and an insult to me. But every person out there has a, passion, has, has a soul, an eternal destiny, and they need to know Christ. And so you need a passion. Not to reach a thousand people. Just reach one. Reach one and bring them in to the body. Of Christ, each one, reach one, to the power that is at work within us. Here is Paul. He's chained. He's in prison, to a Roman guard. And prisons in those days were not hygienic. It was not pleasant, and yet he has this sense that God's going to God is going to do something wonderful because of His sovereign power in this little group of house churches in Ephesus. He's so confident. Every time you go to a small group, every time you're involved in a Sunday school class, every time you do an act of kindness for your colleague at work, every time his power is at work in you, weaving a tapestry of hope, a tapestry of of his grace. It's coming through you. And you know what Paul says? There's only one thing you can do if you understand that. It's to give Him glory. And that's how he ends this. You see, it's not about money or a house or a car or even the grades on your report card. It's about God getting glory for Himself. We give glory where? In the church. Thank you, Mike and Suzanne, for coming up here. In the church and giving glory to God. Thank you, state and family, for singing this morning, uh, volunteering to be lead worshipers, to give Him glory in the church. Thank you to the children who came forward and, and engaged in the kids' message because we want to give Him glory in the church and in each of our small groups. Do you take time to give Him glory in your mini church, in your small group fellowship, to give Him glory, glory in the church? Will the world give Him glory? No. The world will use His name in vain. That's how the world uses the name of Jesus Christ. But not us. We give Him glory. Glory in the church. And Paul says, in Christ Jesus. And here what he's saying, again, is it's not about you. It's not about me. If we can understand. It is about Him. He who is worthy, worthy, worthy of our praise. Someone confessed to me this week, and I think they were confessing for a lot of people. They said, I'm willing to speak generically about God. And you know, in the world, in our society, people are quite comfortable you talking God talk about God. But she said, but I know if I start giving glory to Jesus Christ, all of a sudden the walls will go up and people will take a step back. And then she said, I'm not going to be afraid anymore. Isn't that beautiful? She said, I'm not going to be ashamed anymore. I'm not going to hold back, giving praise to Jesus Christ. Because this text says, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. And how long will that continue? Throughout all generations. It will continue through your children, and through your grandchildren, and your great-grandchildren, and on through the covenant line, as long as uh, we wait for Christ to come again, there will be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Listen, like as I began, God is no genie, but it's all about God. Galatians 1.5, To Him be glory forever and ever. Philippians 4.20, to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. And 1 Timothy 1.17, now to the God eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be glory and honor forever and ever. Amen. Will you give Him glory? What about when you're in the desert and it's dark? Will you give Him praise? Yes, you will, if you belong to Him. What about if the song says, when the streams of abundance are flowing and lots of blessing comes to you, will you give Him glory? Yes, you will. Either place, in the desert or by the rich river of abundance, you give Him glory and praise. Will you live a life of fear or will you live a life of confident optimism? Choose today. Choose to say, I will say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Our Father, what a What an amazing doxology we have just studied. And we pray that at the North Shore Community Church, our feeble voices would give you glory because you are worthy of glory. We pray that in our home fellowship groups and our Sunday school classes and our fellowships and ministry teams and just in our families, we will be confident that you are able to do more than we ask or imagine. And so we will not live like Eeyore the donkey. But we will live confident. With expect, we will be confident with expectation of your blessing and your leading of our lives and our church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.